Have you ever doubted your own self-confidence? Hmm. Being over 50, I'm not sure I can count all the times I have. Going through a divorce, questioning if I chose the right career after already devoting 10 years of my life to it, and then dating as a single mom. I'm not as young, maybe I don't look as pretty. The questions just keep coming. Whether it's self-doubt on our life choices or our surroundings or our appearance, it creeps in. Join us here as we share tips and stories of how to grow your own confidence inside and out with experts who have also experienced the highs and lows of self-confidence. I'm your host, Kelly Buckley, and this is the Beautifully Confident Podcast. Hi, this is Kelly Buckley. Welcome to the Beautifully Confident Podcast. And I have my fabulous friend and guest today, Jean Andres. Let me tell you a little bit about her. She spent the first 48 years of her life doing everything the right way. I'm sure a lot of us can relate. You know, good grades, college, marriage, career, baby, all the things. Then at age 48, perimenopause clobbered her, but her symptoms weren't changing periods and hot flashes. Depression, anger, and low libido took her out of the life she'd built for herself. Determined not to let this change destroy her, she began a four-year journey to health, happiness, and a purpose in life. And I'm going to let her tell you her story around that. But wanting to understand how and why menopause affects women so completely, John spends hours down the rabbit holes of the internet chasing wisps of information about the physical, emotional, mental, and social aspects of the change. She blends her own experience, the results of her research, and her training in traditional exercise and nutrition with a myriad of holistic approaches, including Reiki energy healing, yogic, yogic, okay, yes. <laughs> <laughs> breath work to create a unique coaching experience she calls Menopause Mastery Coaching. She's also the author of five international bestsellers on menopause including I Just Want to Be Me Again, which also has a second edition now, which I just started reading. It's pretty interesting. You all need to read it. And her book aimed towards men trying to understand how menopause is affecting someone they love. Where is my wife and what have you done with her? So I'm excited to hear from you, Jean. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Kelly. I'm so excited to be talking with you today. I am extremely excited. You know, my podcast is built around women becoming beautifully confident and identifying areas that maybe would help them become beautifully confident. And I feel like your story in itself of identifying what you needed to change and where and what you did is so inspiring. Can you tell us that story? So when I was 48, I was experiencing symptoms of perimenopause, but nobody was saying the word. My doctor didn't tell me. My mother didn't tell me. I had no sisters at the time, Doug. That's another long story. But And so I was just out there on my own. And the changes were so difficult to live with for both me and my spouse at the time, that we wound up divorced. And it wound up being, as I tell it, it happened on Friday the 13th, right before Valentine's Day. Oh my. And yeah, it was kind of not fun. It's in the book. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I was go, I wound up going to Belize 
And Belize is a country like most of the Caribbean is in love with love. And it was just a horrible place to be on <laughs> Valentine's Day because they decorate the whole country for Valentine's Day. And I spent weeks just every time I was by myself, I would be crying over my lost marriage, my lost self, the fact that I just didn't know what was what was happening. And I wound up one day waking up and saying, I can either let this kill me or I can let it be the best thing that ever happened to me. And I was already overweight and I had gained significant weight in probably the six weeks since my marriage broke up just because comfort eating was comfort eating. (laughs) And I said, I need to get on the right track with nutrition and exercise and loving myself back into shape. And that's what I did. I joined a, an online program because I was traveling for work and I started exercising every day. I started eating right for me at the time. This was almost 20 years ago. So it was Atkins. This was pre-keto. I, I wound up going the low carb route with the express approval of my doctor. I had, I did run it by her and she said, yeah, that's the way to go. And so I started losing weight. It took, and I also built a community of friends and support around the diet community I found online. So six months later, I moved from New Hampshire where I lived to Alabama to be with my mom. I started kayaking on the river there and met a fabulous guy. Actually didn't start dating until about eight months later because he lived in Louisiana. I lived in Alabama and we didn't see each other for eight months when the while the river was cold. <laughs> and so it was a matter of reclaiming myself, reclaiming my purpose and my passion. And over the next four to five years, I started really getting into the exercise and the nutrition pieces of it. Eventually, I decided I wanted out of my corporate information technology job, and I became a personal trainer and health coach. And Mm -hmm. working with those women, I really did specialize on women in midlife. And I realized that their problems were exactly the same as my problems. It may have manifested it differently, but it was menopause. And menopause was taking them into not just the physical changes, not just the weight gain, not just the hot flashes or the digestive issues or, or any of the literally dozens of symptoms that I talk about in the book, but also this whole sense of I'm not the same person I was five years ago. I'm, yeah. And it's not just the normal you know, I'm growing, I'm getting, no, it just like takes you and throws you sideways. And so what I found was I needed, I needed to do more for my, the people I was working with. And so I started studying and I started getting down deep into what menopause was doing. And I realized that this is a tremendous gift that we get at this time of our lives, that we allow ourselves to pivot and no longer focus on everybody else. I, literally, our hormones tell us to focus on everybody else but ourselves. And here mm. in midlife, the hormones retreat, and we 
get to take ourselves from the periphery of our lives and put ourselves in the center and say, what is it that you want? What is it that you need? What would you love to accomplish in your life? And it's tremendous. It's, it's a tremendous opportunity. It's a tremendous gift that we get because we go through this change. Doesn't mean the change isn't any, is any less obnoxious. Uh, yes. cool. yeah. <laughs> um, it, or even that it's, that it sometimes can affect us for decades, even when we're doing everything right for it. We can still have the occasional hot flash or anger episode or mood swings, but we're allowed to look at our lives differently all of a sudden. Yeah. And so that was, for me, that was reclaiming who I was. It was seeing myself as beautiful for the first time in my life. I was never, I was never the gorgeous kid. I was always sort of the funky looking one on the outsides of things. (laughs) (laughs) And I was, I was a geek and a nerd. I wasn't athletic. I I was the brain and, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and so in high school, I hung out with the nerds. If I hung out with anybody at all. So for me, this whole transformation was allowing me to look at the women I hung out with differently. And there's a whole thing that I've been working on recently about around that, which I call click versus community. So when we're younger, hmm. we're part of cliques. We insulate ourselves in these smaller groups, both to give us give ourselves the protection as we raise our family and the, the things that we need because it takes a village may just really mean it takes a click to raise a child. Yeah. <laughs> but then we go through this change and we can relate differently to not just our spouses, not just our children, but we can ch- relate differently to the women that we know. So we can support them more. We can be in real community versus clicks. I love that. Oh my gosh, I jotted all these notes down because I have all these questions now. (laughs) So for our listeners and me, because I also, um, I guess I'm (laughs) post-menopause, but yes, I, I definitely have found all of the interesting facts that you shared about all the symptoms and, and what's causing them are just so interesting because reading it, it just clicked in my brain, like, oh, okay, that's why that's going on. So just kind of leads to, so what's the next step of how to deal with those things? So let me just, let me just interject here. Your hormones, the hormones that that, um, are created out of your reproductive cycle, estrogen and progesterone, are only two of some 50 hormones that are found in the human body. But every cell in your body has receptors or takes in estrogen. And about 90% of the cells of your body have receptors for progesterone. Not quite as many as from my research. And believe me, the research isn't isn't good on this, but yeah, yeah, they, they do tell you that every cell in your body has estrogen receptors. So when estrogen drops, everything changes everything. And that's why 
so many symptoms, so many. Yeah, I, I honestly, I was shocked. So, because yes, uh, menopause can cause insomnia, which I have somewhat of some control on, but last night I didn't. And so, yes, I was up reading all of these things. And I thought, <laughs> oh, that's a real horror story. Huh? I'm sorry. I, you know, honestly, I don't recommend reading horror at night. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure not everybody finds those things interesting, but I find them interesting to just link back and start to understand mm-hmm. maybe this is why I'm feeling this way or or that way. And it isn't wrong. Other people are feeling this. <laughs> so, yes. So one of my questions, because you talked about like eating and exercise and your transition from corporate, I guess, what were some of the first steps that you took? and kind of what was your thought process behind realizing I can make a change and and I need to make a change? Well, so my life was really out of control. I was in the middle of transitioning from one job to another when all of this occurred. I was, I lived in a house that was wood heated. So I either had to leave the house or stop my travel job because I was traveling five days, four days, five days a week. So you can't live in wood, a wood heated house and leave it in the New Hampshire woods in the middle of winter without heating. So I knew I had to, I was going to have to leave the house. And then I saw my mom. I went to tell her that we were getting divorced. She lived 1800 miles away. And I realized she needed more support than she was getting. So I decided that when selling the house, I'd move sharing a house with her, which was not, I will say that there were many times I regretted that decision. And there were many times I was happy I made that decision. It was an interesting transition for the, for those years, but I felt like I was totally out of control. And I realized that the one thing I could tr- control was what I put in my mouth. Mm. Not what I couldn't control what came out of it. <laughs> 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 but I could that's control. part of it too <laughs> absolutely <laughs> but I could control what what went into it so I started with diet and I opted for the for the low carb diet because traveling and eating in restaurants three meals a day five days a week you had, I had to have something that I could walk into a restaurant and know I was going to be able to order a meal for that meal. And I could eat omelets and I could eat salads and I could eat a steak and broccoli. And that really became my, my staple diet. I would eat an omelet every, almost every morning, no toast, no potatoes, just omelet and, you know, meat and cheese. And then I'd eat a salad with chicken for lunch and I'd eat a steak or salmon or chicken for dinner, depending on the restaurant. And that would, along with broccoli or asparagus or whatever green veggie they had. And I was able to stick to the diet, even though I was doing this weird travel job. And that was what allowed me to get the food I needed. And as I was working with this support group, online support group, they kept telling me, you've got to exercise. It's not enough just to, just to eat, right? You, you need to be moving your body in order to be healthy. Well, I started with walking and very quickly 
got to the point where the amount of walking I had time for was not sufficient to really push me. Yeah, yeah. There's a point. (laughs) Yeah, there's a point. You know, either you have to walk for two hours, which I didn't have time for in my day, or you have to you have to find a way to take it up a notch. And one of my support partners had uh, was working with a running program, and it was much better than the standard couch to 5K, which I had failed at miserably many times. This was way more designed for a person in mid-age. And I started it, and I fell in love with running. I never thought I would. And so I started becoming a runner. I would run three times a week, half an hour to 40 minutes at a time. It was wonderful because even while I was traveling, I met people who were, who would run with me slow as, you know, slow as the turtle, but (laughs) I met people in Oklahoma and I met people in San Francisco and I met people all over the place in Houston and other places who said, sure, I'll run at your pace. That's fine. I'll run my fast runs on other days and they would run with me. And I met so many wonderful people doing it. And then I started with strength training. And I was in the gym the other three days of the week and slowly it took, it took a long time. I won't deny that, but I made it a lifestyle and then I didn't worry how fast it was happening. That's great advice to <laughs> just fo- follow the path and not worry about how long something's taking. And it literally took me four years to get to where I was, you know, where I took sort of the after pictures. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you didn't get like that I will say that I'm not there anymore. Um, you know, as I've gotten older, things have changed. I've taken a few injuries that have taken me off the road wow. to a large extent. So um, I'm back running now, but it's taking a while this time too. Yeah. Which, um, I, which is fine. Yeah. So yeah, those are great tips about getting started with the right, you know, eating and, um, and exercise. So I'm going to shift you a little bit. Okay. The other thing you, you talked about was making the decision to transition from corporate to what you're doing now. Can you talk a little bit about what gave you the confidence to transition from that and what, what you transitioned to, what are, what are you doing and how are you defining yourself now? Okay. So I worked a corporate travel job and in it, what that means is that, and this was pre 2008 and that's, that date is important, (laughs) but pre 2008, when you worked IT implementations, large scale implementations as a consultant, you flew to wherever you were going on Sunday night or Monday morning and you left every week on Thursday night. So you were away from home for four days. During that time, my mom went from using a cane and driving her car and going to the grocery store and grabbing the car, you know, the, the buggy the power yeah. buggy at the Winn-Dixie and to being a wheel, in a wheelchair and needing way more than I could give her from the road. Also, I lived in an area where every doctor, every doctor was closed on Fridays, which was my day off. So oh I, my. Would, 
I couldn't go with her to her appointments. I couldn't hear what the doctor was saying. And she'd come home and give me her version. So I was tired of traveling. I was tired of doing what I was doing. And I said, at some point, I just said, I'm quitting. And I didn't really know what it was going to look like. I knew I wanted to do personal training. So I started studying personal training. I had made really good money. I got, I got to say that. But, and I, so I had a little bit of a cushion to hold me for a couple of months, which was really good because that was August, 2008. If you know what happened in August of 2008, the housing market crashed and everybody in the country thought they were poor. They weren't, but they thought they were. So being a personal, being a new personal trainer was difficult and I struggled, but I had a few really good clients and what they taught me was it's not what worked for me didn't need the the knowledge I just simply did it Mm. but it wasn't working for them they needed what I had learned they needed to understand what was going on and so I started putting together something that I now call menopause mastery coaching based on what I knew and then they would come to me and say this is going on why And I'd say, I'll get back to you. (laughs) And by the next session, I would have dug dug in, gone down those internet rabbit holes and found out what was going on. And soon I realized that I had a greater depth of knowledge than most doctors, because most doctors, this is awful to say, but it's what they're actually called, is bikini doctors. Our gynecologists are known as bikini doctors because they deal with Ew. what's covered by a bikini. <laughs> Is that awful? That's, that's yucky. <laughs> that's yucky. <laughs> but they only on they they only really specialize in breasts and vaginas and hmm. uteruses. They don't really get all the other things that are going on. So if you go to your gynecologist and say, my joints are sore, he'll say, go to your GP, go to your primary care, or go to a rheumatologist or an orthopedist. I got sent to an orthopedist when I had menopausal arthritis in my low back from all that I was doing. When I went to the orthopedist, he said, Oh, you've got the beginning of arthritis, even though there was no no diagnostics that pointed to that, and my bone structure was good. He didn't have anything else to to attribute it to, and he never thought menopausal arthritis. Menopausal arthritis is a real condition that, as we lose that estrogen, some of our some of our joints become less fluid and less well padded so we do feel that um so he never he never even really gave me that as an option and it happened that way with with both my clients and myself as as we get various aches and pains we would go to the doctor and say this is happening and they would send us to a specialist and then we'd spend thousands of dollars of either our own money or insurance money and not really get an answer. And the worst of it was when I had palpitations, heart palpitations, and I go to the cardiologist and they do the the work and they say, no, 
can't see anything. Here, wear this halter monitor for a, for a month. And then they'd come away and they'd say, we don't know what's going on. Wow. Here, take these cholesterol pills. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. That's so, that's and so many it, rabbit holes. Of, <laughs> go try this. Go try this. Go try this. And, and if the doctors were more aware of menopause, of these, this hundred plus symptoms that I list, hmm. then they would be able to say, let's eliminate the big stuff, make sure that nothing's wrong. And, and I get it. Yeah. I get that your cardiologist wants to make sure that nothing's wrong. They want right. to give you the, the, the tests, but then they, then they need to stop scaring you. They need to say likely to be menopause. Yeah. Gee, yeah. let's look at your, let's look at what else is going on. Oh yeah. Yeah. This looks like menopause. Here's what, here's how we handle this, but they don't, they say, we don't know. And they just leave you scared. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I, so many people just came to mind of things that they've been doctoring for and not really quite getting answers. And Oh my yeah, gosh, and that's, so many thoughts. <laughs> that's why what I the way I work is I, I bring people in through a process that I call hormonal review um, or a hormonal signal detection process in which they tell me what their symptoms are. And we go down the list and we say, okay, this one goes here, this one goes here, this one goes here, this one goes here in terms of hormonal imbalances. Hmm. And I have a few of them that I say, yeah, and that one means you need to go and see your doctor and make sure that that's not something a, a whole lot bigger. But then once we get those hormonal imbalances, then we build a plan based on those hormonal imbalances. So I hate to, I hate to start with this one, but it's the one everybody knows. If, if you, you're showing symptoms, of insulin resistance and there are it's because partly because menopause uh, estrogen helps insulin work better and so it's easier to get insulin resistant we i have to go i have to go there let's cut out sugar and see what happens let's cut out sugar let's cut out grains let's go on a on a diet that will allow your body to heal that insulin resistance. Let's use exercise to supplement that. Let's take down the stress. Let's get you sleeping better. But this one's going to be a lot about diet. I hate to say that, especially, yeah. you know, we're talking here the week before Thanksgiving I and know. Then, you know, it's, it's sugar season. <laughs> <laughs> now sugar doesn't include wine, right? No. <laughs> it really it really doesn't um oh shoot <laughs> a glass of wine is not going to bump your insulin resistance that much if you eat right and exercise right that's great because I keep telling myself that <laughs> <laughs> yeah I actually all through my weight loss the years that I was going through my own personal journey with weight loss, I would drink wine three to five nights a week. I hadn't, um, it was my treat and yeah. being on the road. Okay. Maybe I drank it six nights a week. 
but again, (laughs) right. It's, it's not, I never drank more than one glass. I never drank more than one glass, but I, I drank a glass of red wine almost every night Hmm. because it allowed me to relax. It allowed me to um, feel cared for. Um, And I know alcohol is not self-care, but alcohol, alcohol, when you, when you're, when you're not abusing it, you know, um, when you're just having a glass of wine with dinner or maybe sitting around with friends at the after dinner, whatever, it's not going, it's not going to be something that's really getting in the way of your health path. And in fact, there's a huge amount of research that red wine is actually good for you. Yeah. Yes. I'm sticking with that idea. <laughs> you, the expert has told you, you can <laughs> until your doctor says no. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I will have one last question for you, but for, before we get to that, Jean, I've completely enjoyed this conversation. Um, well, I do. I have two, actually. One I'll ask you before this. Can you tell me, um, just hearing how you identify, help people identify symptoms and then what to do next, um, mm-hmm. what is the age age range of the clients that, that are coming to you and you're working with? So most women, and I'm, I'm going to say most because there are, there are women who go through menopause before the age of 40. It's rare. Um, you should see your doctor if you start missing your periods um, and you're not on hormonal birth control, um, which is a whole different topic. We're not going to touch yeah. that today. <laughs> <laughs> but if you start losing your periods before the age of about 40, uh, 40 maybe 42, you're going to want to talk to your doctor about it. Make sure that nothing is wrong. Most women will start to experience some of these subtler symptoms in their early to mid 40s. So say 43 to 46. My first symptom happened when I was 43, when my seasonal allergies changed. Hmm. Um, So allergies changing are a reflection of your hormonal underpinnings changing. So I knew something was going on. But I didn't know what. I just thought it was the fact that I lived in New England and it was a particularly bad pollen year. Yeah. Um, late 40s, most women will be experiencing at least some of the most common sim- symptoms, which are uh, mood swings, hot flashes, possibly irregular periods, weight gain or weight shift. Those are the biggies. Um, As I said, for me, it was anger and depression. Uh, Low libido was often associated with this. And very often women in this stage of their lives will find themselves redefining their relationships with not just their significant other and their children, but with their friends as well. It's so common to see this on Facebook in the menopause group, somebody says, I've been a people pleaser all my life and now I don't want to be anymore. And I'm like, yeah, menopause. (laughs) But they don't, they don't recognize it as that. Um, Now that I'm telling your listeners, hopefully some more people will recognize it. Yeah. Yeah. 
And so right around age 50 is the most common age for women's periods to absolutely stop. And from there to age 51, when they get that year in, that's menopause, is, is the one year anniversary of their last period, which you can only tell in retrospect because it isn't unusual for a woman to miss three months and then have two or three or five months of periods, sometimes even really super heavy periods and sure. or long periods, periods that just don't stop. They go from one to another. So you, yeah. um, there is issues with anemia there, by the way. Um, and then after that day, after that anniversary of your first, of your last period, you are postmenopausal. And that lasts throughout your life. But most women find that what between two and five years, their symptoms calm down. It's gonna take a while. It's not like there's a magic door that shuts after that day of menopause. I see that all the time, people saying, I had my last period six months ago and I still have these symptoms. Yep, your body is still adjusting to the new hormone levels. <laughs> Again, yeah. That help? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. Okay. So you have people like in their forties starting to reach out to you. Yeah, forties, fifties, and and I even work with women in their sixties who are dealing with some of the changes where they, where as I said, they're putting themselves into the middle and they're redefining their purpose and passion and priorities. Yeah. Okay. Um, so um, let tell our, tell our listeners where they can find you. And um, if there's anything that you have, have coming up, your episode is actually going to air in December, right in the middle, possibly Christmas week. <laughs> so um, can you tell our listeners about that? And if you are driving and you can't write this down quick, it's going to be in our show notes. And it's going to have to be in their show notes because I've forgotten <laughs> some of the links. That's okay. So I am... I have my own podcast. Kelly and I have recorded an episode for later in the first quarter of 2023. So um, that's it's got its own website, Menopause Matters, the podcast, uh, Menopause Matters Podcast.com. Or you can find me on menopause.guru. And if you forget that it's actually dot guru, you can find me on menopauseguru.com. But <laughs> <laughs> and in um in January I am doing a special four session class and it's being offered um for $297 in which I'm going to be discussing all of these things in greater detail. I'm going to lay it out with what's happening under your under the under the covers as you go through your period, how it's affecting your hormones. We're gonna talk about symptoms. We're gonna talk about why we have menopause. What, what is the, the gift? So we're gonna talk about that in greater detail. I'm even gonna, gonna give you some of my anthropology stories okay. <laughs> where, I, where <laughs> I imagine what, what life must, have used, must used to have been like. And then finally, we're gonna talk about what you can do and I'll I'll go through how I work and I'll also talk a lot about hormone therapy and um, pharmaceuticals and the things that your doctor may be recommending 
and why you would and wouldn't want to do that. So that's available. Um, if you go to men if you go to, to menopause matters podcast.com, you'll find a link right on the front page to that. That's great. Easy to find and, yeah. and all of your information under that. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Thank you for sharing that. And that sounds like a great program. So my last question for you, um, because it really does sound like you redefined and just shifted in life. So to help encourage our women who maybe are starting with this feeling of, oh, you know, what do I need to do now? And my my confidence is being shattered. Is there life after menopause? Oh, damn, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and what should women start to look for to help defining what their life would be after menopause? One of the things I do with my clients is a vision board. And I ask them to think about their life in, I think it's 11 different areas. And I ask them to think about what they really want from their life. What do they want? And I also ask them to go back and think about all the things that they've maybe put away from their lives. So some of the things that I put away and I talk about in the book were dance. Uh, I was told I was not a good dancer, by the way. Hmm. <laughs> well, I probably, and I'm not. <laughs> if you enjoy it, you're fabulous. <laughs> and I enjoy it. Um, but I put away horses. I put away, I put away science. I know, even though I was in a STEM, in the STEM field, I put away science research. That was something I loved as in my early teens and things that I've brought back into my life. So I, it's time for a retrospective. It's time to think about what it is that you've done that's good, what you've done that's maybe not so good. Maybe mm. this, maybe you're doing something that's just not lighting you up anymore. Maybe it's time to get rid of it. Mm. But doing the things you love really does make a difference and I mean I started adventuring when I was we didn't even get a chance to I, I mentioned it I kayaked I, that was whitewater kayaking by the way nice. um, and I've run class two and three and four ri rivers frequently oh, um, don't do it quite so much anymore living in Louisiana it's hard to find whitewater <laughs> but I learned to rock climb and I learned to um mountain bike that was crazy <laughs> <laughs> but you did it but I do it yeah. I still do do it sometimes nice. and it's it's just a matter of saying what is it that lights me up and going ahead and doing it, it you're never too old to try these things if you if you can get up and walk a mile or less. I have a friend who was pushing 320 when she finally went on her weight loss journey. And wow. she couldn't walk from her front door to her mailbox without tiring out. And she had her husband put a chair in between the door and the mailbox. And she would walk to the chair and sit and walk to the mailbox and walk back to the chair and sit again and then walk into the door. 
Last time I saw her, we were running a half marathon together. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome. Yes. So it's quite possible to change no matter where you are. Yeah. That's great, John. Thank you so much. So listeners, um, <laughs> thank you for tuning in to the Beautifully Confident podcast. And if you are ready to take charge of your uh, perimenopause, menopause, and postmenopause life, please reach out to Jean. She can help you get through it and, and find some solutions. Thank you so much for being here, Jean. Thank you so much for having me, Kelly. This has been so much fun. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Beautifully Confident Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a rating and review and share this with your friends. For more information about me and how I can support you in your beauty and confidence journey, visit my website at beautifullyconfidentpodcast.com.